0: That's much better. This morning we're going to be in Luke twenty four. Luke twenty four starting in verse thirty six. But before we get there, my message is entitled this morning, It is What We Do. It is what we do. And I have a question under that, or do we? Uh It is what we do or do we? Being stewards. Of our testimony being stewards of sharing our faith it's what we do but in America we don't stand up and be the church like we once were oh my word if I was a kid back in, when I was a kid back in the day and we had church on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning And all of a sudden the clubs would say, we got something else going on and you've got to have your kids here to participate in this sport. On Wednesday night and Sunday morning, I'll tell you what, all the moms would gather together and there would have been an uprising in the town and they would have said, no, you are not having this during... Now, Christians, Christians, well, we're having something on Wednesday, your kids have to participate on Wednesdays and Sundays, and we just roll over. We don't stand up for our faith. No. When do we st- you see that's sharing our faith? That's standing up for who we are. Sunday belongs to God. It is our Sabbath. They just they just voted the other day in the house in, in Bismarck to open up the stores on Sunday morning. And I saw somebody say on Facebook, well, there goes my husband and my time with our family because they both work retail. They don't even consider there are people of faith. Do we really need to have the stores open on Sunday morning because people in Fargo want it that way? My word, if they have to go shopping that bad, they can cross the river. I remember the, when I went to Maine, You better have your gas tank full on Saturday, your milk bought and everything you needed for to get through Sunday the day before. And you know what? We did just fine. And then they changed the laws. And then you heard the people in retail complaining, I can't go to church anymore because they expect me to be here. It's our Sabbath. Why don't we stand up and share our faith and stand for our faith? We used to. My word, if I said something against uh, um, Islam this morning, oh, I probably have 20 Islamic folks standing on my doorstep yelling and screaming at me because I offended them. Even if I told the truth. Why are Christians so passive? Why do we roll over? Why don't we take the authority that God has given us? And I'm not talking about, I liked what, what time he said. We, we do it in love. We don't badger them. We don't hit them over the head with a stick. My word, we believe in holiness around here. But to us, holiness is, has nothing to do with a bunch of rules and regulations. Oh my word, all of us would be in trouble. because holiness is not the law when his holiness is based just solely on the law that's a whole mess but when holiness is is based on the grace and mercy and the gospel of the lord jesus christ the new covenant my word it brings us closer to jesus it makes us more sanctified why because it brings us back to the cross because we don't have the strength to live to, for the lord as we should now I have a question from last week. You can change that. Well, nope, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to go to Luke. Turn to your, in your Bibles to Luke 24, if you have them. Luke 24, we're going to look at verses 36 to 43. And for those who need help, I'm going to have it on the screen. So let's go there. And so this is where you're going to have to really pay attention. Okay? Let's look at the the text here. Luke 24, starting in verse 36. And you should be, there you go, good job. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he has said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy, that's a weird phrase, isn't it? I love But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, verse 44, These are the words which I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in, the name, in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with, with power from on high. And he led them as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy." and we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for this word this morning and for your anointing in this place today. I thank you, Lord, for your touch. I thank you, Lord, for your abundance I thank you, Lord, for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for your grace. I thank you, Lord, for your saving of us. I thank you, Lord, for the healing. I thank you, Lord, for setting us free. I thank you, Lord, for your abundant blessings. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts this morning. And Lord, I believe you're going to do more than what you've already done. I'm anticipating, Lord, you're amen on this service. I praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for anointing me to preach this word and that I would only speak the words you have me to say. I praise you in the blessed name of Jesus and all God's people say, Amen, amen. and Amen. Amen. I asked a question last week. How faithful are you? How faithful are you? I am amazed that we are not what we used to be. I am amazed. You know, we sing that song, I am amazed. But you know what? Sometimes we've gotten to the place as Christians that we have compromised who we once were. Now, we don't judge each other as timey says. We'll, We'll take anybody. I mean, I believe God's building David's army down here. King David's army down here. We'll take everybody who know, that nobody wants. That's what David did. Everybody that nobody wants. All the outlaws, all the in-laws, all the strange folks. David just took in. Because I'll tell you something. There's a lot of hurting people out there because they've been judged by their past, not judged by who's in their heart. Because if we would judge people by who's in their heart, we would not judge them. What was the first judgment statement in the Bible? Adam looked at God and said, it was that woman you gave me. And then she turned around and doubled down. She said it was that snake in the grass. The snake was, so, was smart enough to keep his big snake mouth shut and he just slithered away because he lost everything. He Kind of wishes that he kept his mouth shut in the first place, I bet. Because the snake used to be the most beautiful creature of all God's creation. Isn't that amazing how Satan always distorts what God has called beautiful? But I'm amazed that we're not what we used to be. Oh, to be on fire once again for our Savior. Wouldn't that be awesome? My word, wouldn't that be awesome? To be on fire again for Jesus? But what do we entertain ourselves with? Things that bring Jesus up in our lives? Or are we being entertained by demonic forces? Think about that. What is the music we listen to? What kind of TV shows do we watch? What kind of movies do we watch? What kind of books do we read? Are we afraid of the zombie apocalypse when they don't even exist? I'll tell you something, there's more intrigue and things in the word of God to focus on than everything else. My word. My word. Go to the next slide. The weatherman says, a snowstorm is coming. And that's ironic because we've got snow coming tomorrow or tonight. The weatherman says, a snowstorm is coming. And we all run to the stores to stock up. We've got to get our bread and our milk and everything we need. The preacher says, Jesus is coming again. And the church yawns. You know, that should excite us so much that we would want to tell others about Jesus. Do you remember that kook a few years ago? We're still in the old building, but that kook that was out there. He had made a prediction when Jesus, he wasn't the first kook to do it. There's been other kooks. So we love him anyway, because we're not going to judge him. He just forgot to read the Bible that no man knows the day or the hour. Only God the Father knows the day or the hour. (laughs) He's smarter than us. But he had predicted when Jesus was coming again. Remember that? It was just a few years ago and his followers in his church all sold their stuff, and they ran all around the country, they put up billboards and all this stuff because he thought he got the date right. Well, the date came, and guess what happened? They were still here, no rapture. Then he said, oh, I miscalculated. He had to go back, and he checked his math, and he made a miscalculation. So then it was just a few weeks off, and they were sitting around, and still, Nothing. The man went ahead, packed up his belongings, and went home. But you know what? His followers got so excited, they got to tell everybody, Jesus is coming back on such and such a date. What they forgot to do is they didn't read their Bibles. What did Paul say? Judge the word of God by the word of God. Don't just believe every prophet that comes along. You can't predict when Jesus is coming back, but you can know the signs. And all the signs are there. The biggest sign is that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. The biggest sign is Israel became a nation after 2,000 years of being gone. That don't happen every day, does it? And by the way, there was no such thing as a Palestinian back 3,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago. There is no such thing. It is a make-believe made-up people. They're just a homogenous... It, you know what a Palestinian is? Everything that the Arabs don't want, so they threw them over there and called them Palestinians. Isn't that horrible? And then they use them as cannon fodder. Isn't that worse? Jesus doesn't make us cannon fodder, does He? But they, did, they do it to their own people. You know what it was? Emperor radian wanted to insult the Jews, so he went ahead and he wrote on a map Palestine instead of Judea. Now, if you want to say there was Philist, there's the Philistines, that's a whole different story, and if they're Philistines, they can have Gaza because that was their homeland. And besides that, the Bible said that the Philistines would always be a thorn in Israel's flesh. So I don't have the problem. If you want to call them Philistines, go for it. Let them have. But the truth is, is that the Palestinians are just, a, they're made up of so many Christians and Jews and Arabs and all this homogenous things. The Bible says that Israel doesn't even belong to the Jews, it belongs to God. It's his land, it's his city, it's his territory, and he's got the deed to it. So we better not mess with God's stuff. Can you imagine somebody coming along, coming to your house? Jeremy has worked really hard all his life. He buries himself a beautiful house with a swimming pool he wants a swimming pool, a four-car garage to have, so that he can have his car and his toys. Because he's going to do really well in life, so he might have to have a four-car garage so that he can have his boat parked in there. You know, and his wife, his wife can park there and his teenage son can park in the garage. And then maybe he wants to take up woodworking later in life. Who knows if the Lord tarries what God's going to bless him with. But he has that. And all of a sudden, Jason and I come along and say, um, Jeremy, the garage and three-fourths of your house actually belongs to us. Where is your name on the deed? No, it's ours by rights because um, uh, we said so. And, and we just went to the UN and got them to agree that it belongs to us. You'd be going, what in the world are you talking about? Get out of here. I'm building a fence around my house right now. to so keep you two clowns out. <laughs> And I'm gonna make sure it is an eight-foot fence because that's what the code allows and I'm getting the biggest meanest dog who loves me but doesn't like you (laughs) and he'll be going um he'll be getting on the phone say Robin I need snowy Knowing that Jesus is coming again should get us so excited we should be telling people they need to get saved. I don't care if he doesn't come back for another hundred years. Knowing that Jesus is coming back we should be out there telling people that Jesus died for them. He loves them and they need to get saved. The early church lived in expectation. You can go to the next one. The early church lived in expectation. They were also obedient to the call of Christ. Not only did they live in expectation, but they were obedient to the call of Christ. The call of Christ is more than just getting saved. The call of Christ is sharing our faith together and sharing our faith with others who aren't saved. That's why he stresses unity so much. Because we need each other. It, isn't it easier to come to church and hear me, um, um, um talk about how her and Eve went out? Hmm? But can we really say we put Jesus first in our life? Can we? God wants to wake. and the, And the cool thing is... I'm not just the only one saying it now. I'm hearing this even on different Christian radio programs. God wants to wake up the church. He's been trying to wake us up by shaking us. How do you wake up a toddler to get up in the morning? You have to shake them. You might have to tickle them. You might have to pour a whole gallon of water over their head. You might have to fix... Oh, for that teenager, you might have to put a spring under their bed that you push a button and it goes... and they fly across the room. But God's been trying to get a hold of the church and wake us up. Is Jesus first in my life? We used to sing a song like that. There, there was even, um, there, it was saying specials. Put Jesus first in your life. Some of us were young enough to remember George Beverly Shea singing that song. And others in the church would sing that song. It was an anth- anthem in the church. Put Jesus first in your life. I mean, the song would build to this crescendo and believers would be shouting yes and we used to go out and be annoying to people and tell them, do you know God loves you? Do you know that Jesus... But we've complicated things so much that we're going to see how simple Jesus said is to witness this morning. Go to the next slide, please. How much does Jesus have to prove himself to us? Uh, Let me give you an example here. (laughs) He comes and he meets with the the disciples, right? These guys have been following him around for three years now, right? And all of a sudden, he's died on the cross, he's been resurrected, there's been the testimonies about him, and he shows up, and he looks at them, and he says, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. That it is I myself. Handle me. Come on, hug me. Handle me. For a spirit does not have for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. He gives them proofs of the resurrection, does he not? Come on. Jesus asked two questions and he's asking of us this morning. The Word of God is not in there by accident. These are Jesus' words. If you look in your Bible, they're printed in red. Why are you troubled? Jesus is asking that of the church this morning. Why are you troubled? Don't I have authority to take care of all your troubles? Why don't you give them to me? Didn't I already carry him on the cross and said it's finished? Why don't you live your faith? The next question he asks, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Oh, that was okay for back then. He doesn't do that today. That's a doubt. Our God's a supernatural God and he don't change. Jesus is the same as he was yesterday as he is today as he will be tomorrow you can bank on it you can trust that we got to have faith we live by faith we we stand on faith peter could have never walked on the water if he didn't have faith that jesus said come and believe he didn't walk on the water he walked on faith it was when he got his eyes off of Jesus and let his heart be troubled, hello, and let doubt come into his heart, he started to sink. But who is there to pick him up? Jesus will always be there to pick you up. And so he asked them, Why are you troubled? Why have you allowed doubts to rise in your heart? How much more does Jesus have to prove himself in your life for you to live for him? We're all in the same boat together. My word, the time he talked about that one guy over in Fergus, who doesn't have a home church right now because people have judged him and stuff. You know what? There's so many people like him out there who should be in our church because we can love them. They need to be loved to get over the hurts that other Christians have done to them. It's time that we, It's time that we stop judging each other and start judging each other by what's in our heart wait a second what do you mean by that i said that before what's in our heart jesus how can i then start judging you because jesus is in your heart now jesus says we'll know each other by our fruits if our fruits are a little bit off we can help each other but we are not the fruit inspector that's the holy spirit because when we become fruit inspectors we take out our our holy knife and we think we can fix somebody stop trying to fix everybody That's the Holy Spirit's job to do the fixing. We're supposed to come alongside. We're supposed to help lift each other up. We're supposed to help restore each other. Oh my word, Lord. Am I supposed to say that? Okay. And stop having your own little pet projects. Some of us act like, Oh, that person belongs to me. That's my pet project and I'm not going to share them with everyone else. Mother Mary kind of thing. Dangerous. If you are not bringing them into the church and you're keeping them isolated to yourself to make your... Because all you're doing is making yourself feel better. I'm sorry, I asked the Lord. I didn't really want to say it. But we do those things and it's wrong he says this is the family of god we bring them in now it's a different story if you're trying to bring them in and they're just being who they are i'm not gonna listen we get that all the time don't we 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 try and we try and try and they they're just then they're gonna have to answer the lord for not being obedient to the scripture that says do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together and it goes on in Hebrews to say especially and now this is my way of quoting it especially in these last days when we need one another because times are going to get hard and we're going to need one another because I'll tell you what did you see what happened to Sister Pence this week did you hear what happened to Sister Pence this week Vice President Pence's wife good Christian folks who love the Lord she used to teach at a Christian school Back when he was a congressman. She's an art teacher. She loves teaching children art. She taught at that Christian school for 12 years. Then he became governor of Indiana. So she had to resign and leave her position. So now he's vice president of the United States. She's there in Washington. What what does the second lady have to really do except for attend special events? Well, you know what? The kids are all grown, what am I gonna, I really love teaching kids' art. All of a sudden, her old position opened up at the Christian school again. She says, great, I'm, she, her and her husband, the vice president got together and said, darling, I'd like to go back to teaching. He says, I know, he says, that's when you were the happiest. I would love to see you happy teaching again because what is there really for us to do? You know, we're, we're just a heart, I'm just a heartbeat away. You know, that's really my main job is to be the guy waiting. That's really his main, that's what a vice president really's main job is to do. Or anything else the president assigns to you. So he leads the Bible studies at the White House. <laughs> or makes sure they get led. <laughs> I love him. Sister Pence goes back to work. She takes the position back. She's teaching art she's doing what she loves to do working at that christian school and the press went nuts this week how dare she go to a christian school and teach at a christian school that says they believe every word of the bible and they attacked her you know what sister pants let it go like water off a duck's back why because she has fellowship of other christians as she surrounds herself with (laughs) it's like in those stupid idiots of the news media we need to pray for them because they're all unsaved all those dumb socialist communists that they are not now later that gets where you're going we need to live by faith we need to trust that's why we need one another that's why we need to act like the, uh, you don't have to be just like Timmy my word nobody needs to be just like Timmy <laughs> only Timmy needs to be like Timmy right, right? Yeah. just like you only need to be like you and le- and by the way let the holy spirit keep working on you so you can be a better you we need to let people know you can come to our church and it's safe we'll love you we'll help you get over your hurts my word there's some of you who came to our church and if we didn't just love you we you would have never survived I'll tell you what if I let Jason testify right now he could tell you who he wanted to kill and, 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 and don't 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 raise your hand Don't don't raise your hand, but because you might be surprised it might not be you. Uh, Actually, you just confirmed it. (laughs) Let's look at the next slide. Jesus opened up our understanding. Jesus opened up our understanding when we got saved. And this is here, let's read what the word says. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So now the whole Old Testament's been fulfilled. We still use the Old Testament, but it's been fulfilled. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. So Jesus opened up our understanding when we got saved so that... Why? Why? So that we might comprehend the scriptures so if he's opened up our understanding to comprehend the the scriptures we have no excuses so when jesus says i have been given all authority and this is what you're supposed to do this is what we do because we have no excuses because we can't say to him when we stand before the throne of grace I didn't understand. No, I opened up your understanding. You have no excuse for being a knob. And the only knob that God has in his family are those who don't obey. It's a whole different, you know what? All you have to do is try with God. All you have to do is try with God. And His grace takes care of everything else. You do not have to be perfect, but He will start working on you. But all you have to do is try. But so many of us, we don't even try. Here is another way of understanding the talents you've been given. Lord spoke to my heart as I was driving over here this morning about this. About the talents if you do not share your faith with others, you have hidden your talent under your house, you've buried it. You have not used it as God intended for you to do. Think about what happened to the little guy who didn't use his talent. He got thrown out. When the rapture happened, he was found outside of the gate gnashing his teeth. Gnashing his teeth means he was mourning the fact that he missed out. None of us here should mourn the fact. You don't have to be a timey and, and, and do 50 people right away. You can be a Karen and try and get two people. There you go. And start with two people. God, God, God always uses the small things. For Timmy, the small thing was 50 people. For Karen, the small thing was two. That's amazing. Karen got out there and got out out of her shell and talked to two people. That's awesome. Maybe I should have had her testify this morning. You don't know who I'm going to ask next time. A Christian... Well, here's another bugaboo. A Christian should not be biblically illiterate. Thank you. <laughs> especially in this church. If you are biblically illiterate in, at new, in new life, it's your own fault. We don't, we don't really have any life groups that play Mo- the majority of our life groups deal surrounded by the word the only one that doesn't but it's an obedience to the word is the double blessings closet the what twice, twice blessings <laughs> even color me christian <laughs> okay colorful christians they start with prayer and the word before they even get to their coloring books or their coloring pages or their mural that they're doing i don't know what they're doing right now i wouldn't put it past them that they were working on a mural that was coming into the church so (laughs) yes and then we have to hear carol goes you see that corner over there i did that But a Christian should not be biblically illiterate. But the problem is, so many are biblically illiterate, they don't know what the Word of God says, and then we wonder why there's such a huge dropout with millennials. (laughs) Because we have a... It's bad enough they're not getting taught in school how to do math right. (laughs) Oh my word, Timmy put a... If you haven't seen it, go look at Timmy's homepage. That math problem. It's so easy to solve. My word, the person went ahead and solved it the way we were taught. And while they were making coffee and waiting for the coffee pot to fill up, the teacher's still teaching this new way of doing it. And it's like, why are you taking all these extra steps and confusing people, making it harder than it needs to be? Keep it simple. Why don't we teach our history in school? Why don't we teach the truth about... My word, we cannot blame the young people that, that think that socialism is so great when we don't even teach about free enterprise. We can't blame the, the, the young people who are coming up that think that socialism was so great when they don't even learn our history. My word, you can't really... I cannot blame the millennials. The millennials for how they think about socialism—it's the school's fault and it's the church's fault for not making sure the kids knew what the thus saith the Lord says. How many millennial kids were brought to church, to at least a vacation Bible school? Did we get the word of God in them, or do we just act like we're teaching fairy tales? But here's the kicker: here's the problem and tiny time he stepped on this in her testimony. She says, I met somebody, some people who said they go to church, but they said they go to such and such a church. And I started having thoughts in my head. Well, um, I got, um, what do I do? But I'm going to just tell them God bless and hope that they check things out. And anyway. And let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work. But here's the problem. That almost 50% of the mainline preachers today, mainline churches and Protestant churches, do not even know if the resurrection happened or not. So on Easter Sunday, what are they celebrating? Well, I'm not even sure if the resurrection happened. And then we wonder why they can't preach the cross, which the whole Bible circles around. Mm -hmm. Everything in the Word of God comes back to the cross, and we wonder why they can't do it. You know what? Least the Catholics lift up Jesus, and they know he rose from the dead. (laughs) They might be confused on how to come to Jesus, but you know what? Least they lift him up. Now the problem is is that they haven't understood the whole resurrection. He's not hanging on that cross anymore. But you know what? You've got to love them because you know what? They have souls too. Just like those Lutherans who are confused and those Methodists are confused. About 50% of Methodist preachers don't know the resurrection happened. About 50%. And they used to be so on fire for Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about their... Secondary preachers. I'm talking about their well-educated pastors. And that makes me sad. Because at one time. And here's the problem, Jason. We could go the same way. We could easily go the same way. If we don't stress the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. I've been questioning a little bit, and this is not an indictment of our Sunday school teachers, because I'm teaching Bodie at home. But there's some things that I'm sure got covered in Sunday school the last few years and in in children's church the last few years that he's not clear on. Of course, part of that is because of his age. Part of it is just he's a boy and he doesn't want to (laughs) think at that moment, unless you press him. Yeah, because that's easy. Yeah. And she does that sometimes with him, too. It's just amazing. Oh, yeah. but, here, but, but see, we have, there's certain things we need to stress as a church in our Sunday school. And that's the redemptive work of the cross and what that means. Because <laughs> it was so funny. In our house, Bodhi was a Easter... Of course at five years old you start really paying attention mm-hmm. a lot of time when you're younger than that you don't always pay attention right you know when you're younger than five you act like most adults <laughs> 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 and then when you become teenagers you start acting like five-year-olds But you know what? God made us that way. God made us that way. Let's go to the next slide. It is necessary. It is necessary. It is what we do. Let's look at what Jesus said again. In these boxes here, in these three points, I just wanted to deal with just what Jesus says, not everything else. Okay. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, And thus it was necessary for for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. I love this. Brother Tim and I were talking about this the other day on the phone. That during the late '70s and the '80s, we complicated witnessing so much that most of us thought we couldn't do it because we needed to know the Roman road, we needed to know evangelism explosion, all the right questions, and be able to go out there and be a professional witnesser for Jesus. No, Jesus has always used lay people to do that. He has always used the unprofessional. Why? How do I know that? He picked fishermen for heaven's sakes. He picked gang members for heaven's sakes to be the first apostles. Today we would say he had some some natives over here, he had some fishermen from up north, and he had a few rednecks there. (laughs) jesus tells us what to talk about did you see what he told us to talk about there look at that scripture again he tells us this is all you need to do as a witness and talk about thus is it written and thus it's necessary for christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day you start there you talk about that how about that and then he stresses in verse 47 Jesus stressed repentance and remission of sins. See, he starts with the suffering of the cross and the resurrection, and then he goes to repentance and remission. And not just remission of anything, remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Now think about that. Think about that. That's what he said. Is that simple? Do you need to know everything? No. The hardest thing maybe there is to convince people that they're sinners. Because most people don't believe in sin anymore. But you just got to define what sin is. Maybe that's something we'll have to come up with a good definition in our day to get it through. Because, you know, we, we all know sin is anything that's disobedient to God. That brings us away from God, but they don't understand what does that mean. So we have to come up with something that really captures the imagination. And the good thing is we have some millennials in our church that can help us with that, because one thing that millennials love to do is capture imagination. Did you see the the third thing that's up there? The third thing Jesus that told us we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do it alone. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. Oh, praise the Lord. We are all called to be witnesses. Not all of us are called to have been given the gift of evangelism. We know who has that in our church. But we're all called to be witnesses and that's all you have to focus on is that simple jesus said tell the good news share he kept the gospel simple aren't you loving it that he kept the gospel simple for us he gives us the holy spirit so we don't have to do it alone and the holy spirit's there to help us and here's the other fun thing Paul says, Stop worrying about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will fill you with what to say. I bet Tiny didn't know what she was going to say, except for, Hi, I want to invite you into my church. And on the back of this card are answers to life's tough questions. Well, God bless you. Ah! Oh, no, that's Karen. <laughs> Tiny's standing there waiting for a response. Okay. Respond! (laughs) I I don't care if you're like Timmy, and I don't care if you're like Karen, or somewhere in between. Just be you. And the Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say. Let's go to the last screen. Let's go to the conclusion. I want to just take us over to Acts chapter 2. For those here who were here last... um, Last Sunday, this will seem familiar, part of it. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread... Oh, no, we're getting that tonight, aren't we? Getting there. I don't think we got that far last week. But that's okay. We won't have to spend so much time on it. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Did you notice that? It was just simplicity of heart. Nobody getting up in airs. Nobody, you know, they were like us. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We did that last time? Okay. So the Lord added to the church those daily who were being saved. Here's something that you need to learn about the early church. They were intentional. That's what I'm trying to get us to be. The early church was intentional, and we should be like the early church. Let us get intentional. They were intentional in everything they did, they kept the important, the important. They didn't worry about all the other stuff. You never heard the early church sitting around the table. So Jason and Tim, how many angels can you stand on the head of a pin? you never heard them talk about that. And if God can't, if there's nothing impossible for God to do, can he create a rock that he can't pick up? What does that have to do about anything? But people waste their time talking about it, and Paul says, don't even go there. Don't waste your time on foolish genealogies and stuff and thirdly they had to share their experience of Jesus with others they couldn't help themselves they had to share their experience about Jesus with others even when they were threatened with death look at Stephen 17 year old kid in the church he is so spiritually minded that that and he loves Jesus so much that they make him a deacon Seventeen years old. First martyr of the church. First martyr. What does he do? He can't help himself. Going to the bathroom. He can't help himself but to tell them about Jesus. Yeah, I wish we had enough money to put another bathroom at the other end of the building. In the nursery. Wouldn't that be cool? But we, 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 we don't have that. I'm just wanting to have another projector back there. For back there. For that back wall. And I'm believing God for a lot of things. God can put help us put new siding on. Why can't he get us a cheap ch- projector for back there? We don't need a fancy one like this one for this way. Amen. Oh my word, we can spread out the worship team, but not be going like this. Boom! Out of the way! <coughs> Sometimes I watch Danny, and she's trying to get in there. She wants the parting of the Red Sea so she can see the words. And then poor Jason's like, yep, that's the next line. (laughs) Be cool to have it back there. Can we be intentional? Can we be intentional? Can we keep the important, the important? Can we tell others our story about Jesus and how he's touched our lives? Oh, my friends, get more of these. This is a primer for your pump. I don't know if Robin had that problem on the farm when she was growing up. Every day they had to prime the Maybe not every day, but most of the time they had to prime the pump to get water out of the ground. Sometimes all you need is a primer to get you going. This is your primer. It helps you get going. It helps you say, hey, just look at it. I'm giving Jesus away to somebody. I'm giving Jesus away to somebody. That's why I was kind of bummed that I forgot my cards. I got all all the majority of the cards at home. So in case you run out, you can stop at home if the church isn't open to get more cards. Now time is going, oh, that's where I can get them. So, yes, you can. I don't care. (laughs) Use them. Use them in your building. Use them at school. Use them in the stores. Use them on the street corners. Use them at McDonald's. Use them at Taco John's. Use them. Just standing around. Maybe not while you're picking your nose, but use them! And tell others about Jesus. Use them. And you know what? A lot of those people are going to end up eternally grateful that you did. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for this word today. We thank you for this series this month on our stewardship. Lord, help us to be generous, not just with our giving, but Lord, help us to be generous with telling others about Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord. And Lord, we need your touch this morning. Lord, give us the boldness we need to have just to walk up to someone and ask them, or just to say to them, I want to invite you to my church. We praise you, Lord.